Did you look at the sermon title tonight? I got to tell something on Brenda. Brenda, on Thursday, she said, is that the sermon title, Lessons from Pilates? If you saw the sermon title, you would think. I said, Brenda, it was a guy in the Bible. She said, I don't know why I would have thought the sermon was coming from the Bible. She was joking, I hope. Lessons from a pilot. And, of course, you know, he's, his name is spelled more Pilates than it is pilot. Uh, after the uh, tragic Malaysian, uh, whatever happened to that airplane, lessons from a pilot might be appropriate or might not be. But we're going to jump over to Matthew 27 tonight, and we'll be in 2 Corinthians uh, more in the end of April, in Sunday morning and Sunday night. This is an Easter uh, story, tremendous story, lessons from Pontius Pilate. Now, it's real easy to look at some of these things and say, well, you know, that's not profoundly deep or whatever. But I want to tell you, these are tremendously important lessons that played out in, uh, in the life of Pilate, which had a disastrous effect on him for the choices he made. So I want to give you five things, five lessons from Pilate tonight that, that if you could talk to him tonight, probably down south, that he would tell you that this is exactly what you needed to do. Here's the first thing. Listen to other people. Listen to other people. Arrogant people, unteachable people, which that's synonymous, have a real difficulty with this. No doubt Pilate was probably an arrogant person. Verse 11 through 14 Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor. That's Pilate and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? It's about 6 o'clock on Friday morning. Pilate, in his defense, may not have had his coffee yet, so this may have been irritating. Jesus says, yes, it is, as you say. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear their testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. The Jewish leaders had brought Jesus uh, to Pilate. Again, it's about 6 o'clock Friday morning. The crucifixion is going to take place and. Uh, in, a, in a short time ahead, and they're wanting to, to condemn him, and they're wanting to convict him. Now, folks, this is one place you begin to see, and it had been going on for many years now, but the, the Old Testament law, there's several aspects of the Old Testament law. The moral and ethical law never changed, but some of the laws, ceremonial, sacrificial, we'll see in the days ahead, those things Jesus fulfilled, those things are, uh, are no more applicable. And Israel, as a civil state, did not exist right now. They were under Roman law. They did not have the legal right to have Jesus killed, so they bring him to the governor Pontius Pilate to have him killed. People were trying to get in Pilate's head and his ears to speak to him. In verse 19, when Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. His wife's trying to talk to him. How well do you listen to your husband or wife? 
You know, I read this week, the average couple spends about four minutes a day, four minutes a day in serious conversation. That is incredibly dumb, isn't it? What a, what a lack there. In Luke chapter 23, and these stories are interwoven throughout the Gospels, which makes it interesting. It says, neither is Herod, Herod, for he has sent him back to us. It's talking about King Herod. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. He even heard from Herod about Jesus. But Pilate would not listen to the people in his life. Now, folks, part of wisdom is knowing who you don't need to listen to. There was an old country saying where I grew up that you got to know what to, what to swallow and what to spit out. You know, that you've got to know what is good to digest and what to get rid of. And even... Even wise people and good people, even your husband or wife, are not always right. You have to discern what to chew and what to spit out. John Maxwell, the great leadership expert, has said there's a certain type of person, once you get to know this person, you're wiser not to listen to. And the one who is constantly critical, negative, uh, doesn't have anything good to say, you would be well to move your life as far away from that person as you can. To listen to them is going to be destructive. That's pretty true. Even they can be right occasionally. But wise people, they do figure out who to listen to, but they listen to people. Wise people figure out who to listen to, and they listen to people. And that doesn't always mean that you are excited about the person that you have to listen to or you need to listen to, but wisdom listens. Listen, if, you, if you're married, you married them. Nobody in here, to my knowledge, maybe Christy Elliott was forced to, Mary Randall, I don't know, but none of us that I know of, it was prearranged and it had to happen. Well, Janelle, we know that too, but besides that, we know that for sure. Herod wouldn't listen to his wife, uh, excuse me, Pilate wouldn't listen to his wife, he wouldn't listen to Herod. He, he didn't listen. We're going to see more in a moment. But the humanity of Jesus Christ, he didn't listen to him. And you know what is going to get you and me in a lot of trouble? It may not be a, a, originally some flagrant sin. It's just going to be we don't stop and listen to the people in our lives that we need to listen to. You know, the weird thing, Herod and Pilate didn't like each other before this, but Herod had no angle. His wife had no angle. But he wouldn't listen. I heard a story of a, a preacher and a family had gathered around an elderly man. They knew he was on his last, you know, in his last weeks at least. And he was having a hard time talking and they had gathered very close around him. And he kept trying to say something to him. And they knew this must be important and significant. But nobody could hear him. He couldn't make out what he was saying. So he asked for a pencil. And they gave, he got a little note card and he scribbled something down and he handed it quickly to the preacher who immediately put it in his pocket and the man expired. Shortly after, breathed his last and died. And, and they said, well, what was on that card must have been very important. Something he wanted to share with the world. And the preacher said, I'm not even going to look at it until the funeral. And at his funeral, I'll get up and read it. So he makes a big to-do over this at the funeral. He gave us this card right before he died. And I'm sure it was something he wanted us to hear and you to hear and you to know and us to know. And he opens it up and it says, get off my oxygen cord. If you don't think that's funny, you're not listening or you're not very smart. Now, 
on a serious note, go through life arrogant. Go through life unteachable. Go through life thinking nobody can tell you or teach you anything. I don't want you working for me. And the people I know out here who own businesses don't want you working for them. And I feel sorry for your husband and your wife. And you are setting yourself up to have a tough, tough existence. A guy named Eric back in about 10 years ago climbed Mount Everest, made it to the peak. I don't know if you know this, but only 10% of the people who began that trek up Mount Everest ever make it to the peak, 10%. And that, that 10% is, you know, think about the world population would be just tiny, tiny fraction. So to make it to the top of Mount Everest is incredible. Here's what made it really incredible for Eric. He's completely blind completely blind. How did he do it? Well, he listened to the people around him and the people in front of him had bells on him. And when he got to the top and he got back down and they interviewed, they said, how'd you do it? He said, two things. I was in great shape and I listened. I listened. My life and my success depended on listening. May I just say this to you? Your life and your success is going to depend on how well you listen to other people. If we could get CEOs and bosses up here and ask them, when you've had to let someone go, how many times have you talked to them and tried to get it right? They would probably shake their head and say over and over and over again. They wouldn't listen. Pilate wouldn't listen. Here's the second thing. goes right along with listening, a little different. Don't try to be a people pleaser. Don't go through life trying to be a people pleaser. Now, you ought to love to make people happy. You ought to be easy to work with and to get along with. But look in chapter 27, verse 17. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, the one who is called the Christ? Verse 21 and 22, which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas answered. They answered, Barabbas, what do I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. In John 19, verse 12 it says, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Caesar was the king, the emperor. Now, folks, this is really significant. Pilate answered directly to Caesar. Now, the Jewish people knew that Pilate and the king, Caesar, had had some problems. So they're playing on that, aren't they? They're play- manipulating him some. But isn't it interesting, the Jews reported to Pilate, Pilate was over them, they didn't boss him around, but yet it's Pilate listening to them and seeking to please them instead of leading them at this point. The Jews hated him, he hated them. So I guess he felt like this was a good political move, this would ease their hatred of him. This would make them in good stead with him. Wouldn't get him in trouble with his boss. You know, it's interesting. Peer pressure doesn't stop after elementary school, does it? Doesn't stop after middle school. Doesn't stop after high school. Goes on in college. 
And everyone in here, to some degree, is still influenced and infected, I-N, infected by that bug of always worrying about what everybody else is going to say or think. To try to fit in, to try to please the crowd, to be a people pleaser. You cannot be successful no matter what you're trying to do, especially if you're trying to live for God, if your ultimate goal is to fit in and to go with the crowd. Several years ago in Riverside, California, they were having an NCAA cross-country, a college cross-country meet, men's meet, 10,000 meters, six-point-something miles. This is absolutely incredible. These are obviously top-notch athletes, people who had ran in a lot of these. Probably some of them had ran in this one in Riverside, California. 123 of the 128 participants went the wrong way at a turn. You know why they went the wrong way? They saw somebody else go the right way. And one guy went the right way, and he had enough integrity. He began to holler at the other ones, tell them they were going the wrong way, but they thought he was stupid. You know why? Because everybody else was following them. I bet he didn't feel stupid in the winner's circle, did he? Bill Cosby made a great comment one time. He was asked, what's the key to success? He said, well, there's probably a lot of keys, and I can't tell you the main one, but I can tell you an absolute key to failure, try to please everybody. Don't be a jerk. Don't be hard to get along with and difficult. Pilate made two crucial mistakes right off the bat. He would not listen, and he was more interested in pleasing the people than pleasing God. Don't go through life trying to go with a crowd because that's going to make you look or feel better. Here's the third thing. Do what's right. Probably should be preached every Sunday to some degree, shouldn't it? In chapter 27, verse 18, for he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. Wait a second. He's fixing to have this guy killed And he knows he hadn't done anything worth being killed, correct? He knew it was out of envy. Verse 22 and 23. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ, Pilate asked him. They all answered, crucify him. Verse 23. Why, what crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Over to to Luke 23, verse 22. For the third time he spoke to them, what crime has this man committed? And we go over to John chapter 19, verse 7 and 8. The Jews insisted we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. Verse 8, when Pilate heard this, he became even more afraid. And then we jump down to verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar's. Basically, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different times, Pilate acknowledges that he knows that Jesus does not deserve to be crucified. Herod, the King Herod, had also said the exact same thing. He knew in his heart that it wasn't the right thing to do, but he still did the wrong thing. 
Confucius, the Chinese philosopher, said, here's a great definition of a coward. A coward is someone who knows the right thing to do and does the wrong thing anyway. A coward is someone who knows the right thing to do but does the wrong thing anyway. That's Pontius Pilate. Folks, he knew it was not right and Jesus didn't deserve to die, but he went ahead and went that route anyway. Now, before you go, well, yeah, we know this. We do what's right. USA Today did a massive survey several years ago of Americans. It was anonymous, so it was probably a little more accurate. And they began to ask them, how many times do you fudge and not do the right thing in life? How many of you cut corners? You, you abuse things at work or at school. You lie about sick days. You lie to customers. You cover up your mistakes and your faults. You cheat a little bit on a test or you, you fudge on the numbers. Over half of the Americans said that that's true. Friend, any way you cut it, that's not doing the right thing, is it? It's normal, but it's absolutely wrong. How many times as a politician had Pilate done the wrong thing because it, it was the politically correct thing to do? But boy, was it going to bite him this time. Back in 2001, they were getting ready for the Talladega NASCAR race. And Mike McLaughlin's car, one of his his crew, his pit crew guys was a guy named Tim Shute. Tim Shute had become a Christian uh, uh, several months before this big race. And as they were getting ready for the race, the car was not doing quite what it should do. And there was something that they can add to the engine, an an illegal piece that you're normally not caught. And they felt like if they added that piece, it would give it enough boost to win the race. They put it on the car. But before the race, Tim Shute said, you know what? Everybody else is doing this, but it's wrong. And he took it off the car. And you know, the neat thing is Mike McLaughlin won the Talladega race that year. But I want to tell you something even more important. It wouldn't have mattered if he won or not. Tim did the right thing. You see, how how do you get, how did Pilate, how did Pilate step off into an 80-foot hole, the wrong hole? It, it, It began probably years earlier when he began to step off in the six inch hole that was wrong. And see, most people's integrity and character doesn't fall in a day. It it, it begins to crack piece by piece, inch by inch. I want to challenge you in your marriage and with your money and in your work. Do the right things. How many of you want people doing your taxes or working for you or teaching your children or babysitting your kids doing the right things? Most of you do. Thank you. That's good. Here's a fourth thing that we see from this story. Always, always, always listen to and obey Jesus. Man, it's really interesting. God was trying to get Pilate's attention. Now, you might say, well, wasn't Jesus going to have to be crucified anyway? Yes, he was, but I don't know about you. If I was Pilate or Judas, I would have tried to got out of my role in that, that mess. Wouldn't you? And if you think they were predetermined from the beginning of time to do that, I disagree radically. Somebody was going to do it, but I sure would have tried to opt out of it if that would have been me. In chapter 27, verse 11, 
Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, Yes, it is as you say. Pilate knew enough about the Jews to know they were expecting a Messiah, that they were expecting a king. And by his reaction throughout this story, I want to tell you, this, this did get his attention. In John chapter 18, verse 37, you are a king, Pilate asked. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came in the world to testify to the truth. Everything on the side of the truth listens to me. Folks, ultimately, Jesus himself, God, was trying to speak to Pilate. He was trying to get his attention. We won't go back and look at it, but when his wife came to him and and said God had spoken to her in a dream, do you not think that was God telling Pilate's wife, speaking to his wife, who happened to listen and telling him he needed to hear what she had to say? In John chapter 19, verse 8, it says, When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. You know what I call that? Conviction. Conviction. And if you read the Gospels, you see that Pilate tried and tried and tried to release Jesus. He just did not have enough backbone and internal fortitude to push it through and to do it. What's God trying to tell you this evening? If you read your Bibles, God's trying to speak to you. If you listen to the Holy Spirit in you, he's trying to speak to you. Some of us have gotten very good at ignoring the Holy Spirit. We recognize that conviction, that lack of peace. We just suppress it. We ignore it. And no doubt, if you'll push it away long enough, it'll get duller and duller. But what a foolish thing to do. When God speaks, you need to listen. There was an old commercial. Some of you gray heads will remember. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Do you remember that? And, and if you're too young to remember that, E.F. Hutton was a person of influence. And saying, when he talks, you need to hear what he has to say. I want to tell you, when God's trying to speak to you, you need to hear what God has to say. You know what I found out? I don't always like what God has to say to me. Would you agree with that? And I'm sure if Pilate would have had his way this morning, he would have been asleep till 7 o'clock, drinking coffee and eating grapes and looking at the pretty women of Rome. But he had to deal with this, and God was trying to get his attention, and he would not listen. Listen, you're foolish to not listen to other people. You're headed for real trouble not to listen to God. Listen to Jesus Christ. Listen to God. And the last thought this evening is probably something we ought to put on the end of every sermon. We always reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Galatians 6, 7 says, For whatsoever a man soweth, that he reaps. You you can't plant corn in your yard and expect watermelons to come up. When the police arrest you for two acres of marijuana in your garden, don't tell them you planted tomatoes. Go to jail like a real man or a real woman. Chapter 27, verse 24 through 26. When Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, doesn't this sound just like a weak-kneed man? He in- instead, an uproar was starting. He took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. He said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. No, it wasn't. It was his responsibility 
All the people answered, listen to this, let his blood be on our head and our children. Wouldn't you love to have been their kids? Then he released Barabbas to them, but had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Pilate said, wait, this isn't my responsibility. Read Acts chapter 4 when you get home. You know who it says responsible? Herod and Pontius Pilate were the ones who facilitated this happening. The earliest Christian creeds we have are wonderful and they're simple and they're pure. And most of them begin with this. He was crucified by Pontius Pilate. Tradition says, well, not tradition. History tells us eventually Pilate was actually, we'd say, fired from his governorship. He was called back to Rome. He was released as a governor. He spent the last years of his life up in the mountains somewhere, and they said that he incessantly washed his hands over and over and over. Uh, Psychologists would probably tell us he was trying to remove himself of the guilt of what he had been involved with, and we believe he ultimately committed suicide. You put it all together. You put it all together in your marriage. You put it all together uh, in your, your Christian life. You put it together in your business decisions, your relationships. When you don't listen, when you try to please everybody, when you're not going to listen to Jesus, when you're not going to do the right things, even the simple, small things you're going to, fudge and you're going to lack integrity, you know what? Eventually, all that comes to fruitation. You reap what you sow. Pretty simple truths, but absolutely profound things. So I want to ask you this evening, I want to ask you to make some choices. If you're a Christian, I want to ask you to continue to make your right choices with Jesus. To listen, to to do the right things, to be the right kind of person, to have the ear to God. Maybe this evening when we stand, you need to repent. Maybe you need to get some things right with God. Before you get fired, before you get divorced, before you get in major league trouble, we'll be down here waiting on you. If you'd like to join the church, we would love for you to do that too. And when we stand, you can come and do that. And if you're here tonight and you're not a Christ follower, when we stand in a moment, make the greatest decision you can ever make and come and give your life to Jesus. We'll be down here waiting on you. Let's stand. As God leads you tonight, you come.